Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Harnessing Frontline Dual Immunotherapy and Chemotherapy Combination Regimens for Advanced Non-Small Cell Lung Cancer, Strategies to Enhance Individualized Care. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent educational grant from AstraZeneca. My name is Saroj Peters. I'm the head of medical oncology and the thoracic unit at the University Hospital in Lausanne in Switzerland. The aim of our discussion is to briefly discuss the evolving role of frontline dual immunotherapy and chemotherapy combination regimens for the treatment of advanced non-small cell lung cancer. In lung cancer, we have two very well-defined scenarios. One scenario is a tumor with a high PL1 expressional tumor cell, more than 50% of the tumor cells expressing PDL1, and the other scenario would be under this threshold. We are convinced around the world that there is more room for immunotherapy chemo-free regimen in patients with high PDL1. There are many assays on the market which are pretty equivalent and can be used as long as it has been standardized to qualify PDL1 wherever you are. Keep in mind the limitations of PDL1. It's a biological continuum with difficulties besides the thresholds 49%, 52%, for example. Of course, it's heterogeneous and dynamic by nature, but you can use any type of material, including FNE, cytology, biopsies, and so on, versus PDL1. You can see here using pembrolizumab with a very long follow-up at five years, semiplimab and vaptezolizumab, proving the concept very consistently that monotherapy IO, anti-PD-1 or anti-PDL1, would be better than chemotherapy in this high PDL1 setting with a doubling of the five-year overall survival. Of course, starting from there, we always wonder what could be done in addition dual immunotherapy combination strategies, which is mainly about trying to have a plateau which is higher, which is a number of patients having a long-term benefit, higher depth of response, duration of response, as well as potentially better quality of life, regardless of PDL1. From that scale, the idea of combining dual immunotherapy with chemo, with two trials we'd like to discuss today, nivolumab, ipilimab, and chemo, the so-called 9LA, which has got FDA and EMA approvals, as well as the Poseidon trial with Giovannimab, Chabalidumab, and chemotherapy, which was, again, demonstrating a benefit versus chemotherapy. In lung cancer, regardless of histology, and once you have excluded the driver, high PDL1 can benefit from monotherapy, and any strata can benefit from chemo IO or chemo IO IO dual immunotherapy. And that's the art of oncology, where we should move through subgroups and characteristics of patients to better decide for our patients as individuals. In the next session, we will discuss the latest efficacy data for available and emerging frontline dual immunotherapy and chemotherapy combination regimens. This session will highlight the clinical significance of the latest efficacy data for available and emerging frontline dual immunotherapy and chemo combinations for our patients with advanced non small cell lung cancer. The first trial combining immunotherapy and anti-PD-1, nivolumab, and anti-CTLA-4, ipilimumab with chemotherapy is a so-called Checkmate 9LA. This trial was with ilimumab, low dose, nivolumab, plus chemotherapy, but only a short course of chemotherapy, only 
two cycles of chemo. Of course, compared to the usual four cycles of chemotherapy plus maintenance in non-squamous histology. Here you can see the three-year overall survival. And as you can see, the curves benefit the new EP chemo versus chemo. At every time point, including the very early assessment, no excess of death in the beginning, which is important for immunotherapy, and a sustained plateauing of the curve with the benefit being still seen at three years and again at every time point. We have a trial reproducing the same benefit and the same amount of benefit, which is a Poseidon trial, a phase three, where one of the experimental arm was Durvalumab and anti-PDL1, Tremelimumab and anti-CTL4, and chemotherapy. That time it was the classical four cycles of chemotherapy versus the usual platinum-based chemotherapy. And again, as you can see, a benefit of survival at every time point from the very beginning, no excess of death, and a nice plateauing, which might be due to the immune immunotherapy and CTLA4 components, and the benefit was seen across all strata of PDL1. Of course, we like to see how is the progression-free survival evolving, even if this is not the best way to describe the benefit of immunotherapy. However, using this dual immuno plus chemo, you can see a significant benefit of the experimental arm in both trials. In the next session, it's going to be important to discuss the safety data for frontline dual immunotherapy and chemotherapy strategy. In this session, we need to highlight the clinical significance of the latest safety data for the available and emerging frontside dual immunotherapy and chemotherapy regimen for our patients. We sometimes forget to show how PFS is also importantly reflected by what we call patient-reported outcomes. And across Checkmate 9LA, what was numerically shown, not statistical significance, but numerically shown, is comparing nivo-EP chemo versus chemo was allowing patients to maintain quality of life and decrease the risk of definitive deterioration in stress-related quality of life, as well as the various symptoms describing lung cancer. This holds true for the Poseidon trial where the comparison of diobatremi chemo is made with chemo, where it was shown in the experimental arm a longer time to deterioration of the health-related quality of life and a numerical improvement in global health status, quality of life, functioning parameters, as well as the lung cancer-related symptoms. This is a table summarizing what has been shown in grade three, four treatment-related adverse events with an increase of 9% of the nivo EP plus chemo versus chemo, which is, I would say, a modest increase in the toxicities, which mainly describe as the usual toxicities is mainly with chemotherapy, with maybe some component of IO for the diarrhea. So treatment-related adverse events leading to discontinuation was 7.4% in chemo and probably 12% more in the immunochemo arm with 19.3% which is probably a bit higher than real life, but what was shown in 9LA. In the Poseidon trial with Jovatremi versus Chemo, you can see that there is also an increase in range 3, 4, treatment-rated adverse event, but slightly more modest, less than 10%, with again the same spectrum of toxicity, mainly relating to the chemo component, and remember there was some more chemo in that trial, and treatment-rated adverse event leading to discontinuation was only modestly increased using Jovatremi, and not increased when the tremi was removed, so no new safety signal, no safety signal was identified by the addition of tremelimumab to the diobat chemo or even to the chemotherapy. In the next session, we will discuss how to manage these adverse events and particularly the adverse events associated with the immunotherapy components of this specific combination. In this session, we will underline unique 
considerations for managing adverse effects associated with frontline dual immunotherapy and chemotherapy combination, stressing the specific parameters of IO-related toxicities, which might be more often encountered when using dual immunotherapy, particularly the CTLA-4 components. First of all, you need to have in your institution a mechanism to be aware and have good management of IO-toxicity. We start with prevention knowing the immune toxicity spectrum, as well as the identification of any risk factors, including autoimmune disease. You have to have a baseline checkup to anticipate. You need to be able to detect all the toxicities and you have to learn how to treat them. You have to know also how to monitor them in order to make subsequent treatment decisions. And it's not only you, it's you, the patient who has to tell you everything which looks abnormal at every time, but and the healthcare system the complexity with immunotherapy is that immunotherapy can affect as side effects every organ. Some are more frequent, for example, diarrhea, fatigue, skin rash. That's why the patient has to tell you everything. And that's why your mission, medical history, has to be complete when you meet. Of course, when you give two immunotherapy, it's more probable to meet one of these toxicities. But once you have learned how to manage them, this shouldn't change the way you approach immunotherapy for your patient. You can see the kinetics of the combination of anti-CTLA-4 and anti-PD-1, where at first you might see some rash and some endocrinopathy, particularly the thyroid, but very rapidly the colitis to the diarrhea might appear. Later, some pneumonitis, rarely nephritis or liver toxicity can be observed. Keep in mind that more rarely this phenomenon can happen at any time point, but this team resumes what you observe usually in the clinic. Of course, monitoring and treating depends on which organ is affected, but there is a general principle. Low grade can be monitored for grade one and two, or can lead to delayed therapy for grades two. Once you have grades three and four, stop the checkpoint, consult subspecialty doctors, consult your immunologist, start systemic corticosteroids, and sometimes more specific immunosuppressive strategies are needed in order to address the toxicity. Usually, we start with steroids and we add or we change for another immunosuppressive if steroids don't work. But you could find an opportunity to monitor the cytokines, TNF-alpha, IL-1, IL-6, and potentially start with specific and targeted immunosuppressive drugs to avoid the exposure of the patient to too much corticosteroids. This has to be guided by an immunologist, but at least these drugs are useful if steroids are not sufficient to treat, but they might be the first choice in the future. In the next session, we will identify patients who might benefit from this specific strategy and look at subgroups which would benefit from the CTLA-4 components. Let's start with this first thought about the 9LA trial. We have been seeing across immunotherapy trials that never smokers marginally, modestly benefit from IO. If they benefit, it's uncertain they do. And never smokers means also an addiction very often, IGFR, alcohol, etc. Of course, histology is always a question mark. It looks like histology does not make any difference. It looks like this combination works well in patients with baseline CNS metastasis. And in terms of managing of benefit, even a lower hazard ratio in patients with brain metastasis as compared to the patient without. In negative IL-1 tumors, where the benefit of IO is again modest, using the CTLA-4 component, you recover the subgroups with an equivalent benefit from the immunotherapy strategies as compared to the positive PDL one patients. 
Let's look at the same for a start for the Poseidon trial. Remember, it was an arm without tremolino map, Dioba chemo versus chemo, and an arm versus Dioba tremi chemo versus chemo. Let's look at this negative PD-RAM subgroup. It's around one when you only use your value map. But when you use your value map and tremolino map, you can recover this patient with an equivalent hazard ratio as compared to all the positive subgroups of PTL1. So a specific interest for negative PD-RAM subgroups. When you try to select patients, you have to discuss the preference they have, maybe some specific comorbidities, particularly history of autoimmune diseases, smoking status, never smoker benefit marginally, the extent of the disease, maybe brain meds, PDL1 expression, very interesting in negative PDL1, histology, particularly finding drivers because molecular alterations might predict a modest benefit of IO. Keep in mind that some factors have to be included as being contraindication, active autoimmune diseases, sometimes previously autoimmune diseases, the current use of immunosuppressive agents, which might make the immunotherapy useless or not effective, particularly more than 10 milligrams of equivalent prednisone. And as I said before, oncogene addiction is not the good scenario for immunotherapy. As a summary, it's important to keep in mind that this is the art of oncology. You need to identify this patient who might long-term benefit from this dual immunotherapy. We hope that all of them might have a longer benefit thanks to the memory T cell and CTLA4, but we need to wait a bit more for this trial to read at five or even 10 years. But it has to be proposed to patients, particularly in the subgroups with brain meds and negative pdl one d where we have been seeing an incremental benefit. And with this, I thank you for the kind of attention. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.